Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. Now, in what could be seen as a fairly uh, worrying uh, sign of events, um, there is a change in your usual hosting. It's me, uh, my name is Gordon Sheikh, and I've been on before. I don't really know why I'm here. I feel like I've been promoted way beyond my abilities. Fortunately, I'm joined by two very well-experienced uh, members of the panel. First of all, it's the captain of the Good Ship Terrace Podcast. It's Craig Fowler. Craig, how are you doing today? Howdy, how's it going? Not bad, mate, not bad. And seated below him on my my screen is another very experienced member of this uh, this parish. It's Tony Anderson. Tony, how are you doing? I'm grand, I'm grand. Both literally and metaphorically below Fowler, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. In every sense yeah, of the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've obviously, as usual, we've come together to look back on what was a pretty interesting midweek round of fixtures in the SPFL Premiership. Um, we're going to start with the game at Tynecastle. Obviously, Hearts going down 2-1 to Celtic. But before we do get on to matters on the pitch, obviously, we have to start with the absolutely tragic passing of the young 13-year-old Devin Gordon, which... I have to say, I thought was in- handled incredibly sensitively by both clubs. You had his uh, the signed shirts on his season ticket seat at Tynecastle. Uh, both clubs they warmed up in the FC United shirts, which is FC United to prevent suicide. And there was also the warm applause in the thirteenth minute, uh, marking his his age. Craig, I'm assuming you were at the game. How did that come across at the game? Those uh, those commemorations to young Devin Gordon. Yeah, everything was exactly as you wanted. Also, that as well, Hearts put up um, on the where Hearts kind of display the time is, I think, the only kind of advertising hoardings around Tynecastle that are electronic. 
and they, they put it up there, uh, Devin Gordon forever in our hearts and the fans in section G as well started singing there's only one uh, Devin Gordon uh, towards the, the end of the minutes applause mm-hmm. so that was also a, a really nice touch as well and yeah just the just the, exactly kind of what you want from football in that instance you know people putting aside rivalries to to come together and, and realise the kind of you know we're not really known for our perspective in football but occasionally some some chink of light shines through and uh, that was uh, certainly one occasion where um, for for that minute at least rivalries were put aside and everybody came together to to pay respects to to a young fan um, just yeah horrible news yeah, one of the most rotten stories you'll come across uh in th- this year, uh, absolutely heartbreaking. And I think you're right in terms of saying it was putting rivalries aside for one minute because the videos that came out on social media afterwards were very, very, very different from uh, that <laughs> showing of coming together. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did, now, you, did you notice that, further? If you were there, did you notice? Was it was it obvious that there was... Sort of... I, I actually didn't. I didn't notice it at all. And I noticed the uh, Hearts fans singing Celtic get battered everywhere. And I, I could have thought... The worst song of all time. That's about... That's yeah. shite. <laughs> but, uh, I also thought that's a bit weird because, you know, it's nil-nil and we're probably going to get beat. <laughs> and no <laughs> one's been battered as far as I can see. To. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought Celtic, it was that, that famous team that lose everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of thinking, like, we've won about, like, five games against them in the last 50 or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, but no, no, it was only afterwards I knew what I meant, but no, I completely missed it at the time. Um, I think, well, certainly... You know, punching somebody is, is for being a Celtic fan in the heart's end is just ridiculous. It's far too over the top. There's no need for that whatsoever. But it does kind of. So let me prefix it with that. I, mean, I don't know what I'm going to say, but like it, it does condone it. It doesn't at all. You should never do that. But it does kind of go back to like the the arrogance of, of Celtic and Rangers fans that I've been in the home end at Celtic Park for a hearts game. And when hearts scored, and it did in one game score, in fact, we went 2 nothing up. I was very respectful and, and didn't uh, didn't show my, my colours. But it kind of goes back to the arrogance that Celtic Rangers fans have when they go into, like... And I saw it as well when Hibs played Celtic in the, the Premier Sports Cup final and there was Celtic fans and kind of in amongst the Hibs fans. They were more kind of hospitality, so it was a bit more understandable. But there were just... There was no kind of respect, that, like, to like say, OK, we're surrounded by fans of the opposition team. Let's keep a low profile. Let's not... You know, rub it in their faces when we score. And I'm not saying that, I don't know for certain that the Celtic fans done that, but they were rumbled pretty yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. So they must have been doing yeah. something uh, <laughs> to get the Hearts fans to to notice that they were there. And like I say, it shouldn't it really shouldn't end in somebody being a, like punched for it. That's just not that's not on. I mean, again, I don't know. Maybe he threw the first punch and it ended up. You're also but, putting yourself in a situation where you might get punched. There is that. Yeah, exactly. You you got to know that. Yeah. You have to realise that. Mm. And but it, like it's just. To me, it just seems like Celtic and Rangers fans just like, God, oh, it's fine. And also, a lot of the replies as well, like, this is the fault for Hearts for not, you know, allowing Celtic to have a bigger section. It's like, fuck off. Like, Hearts, it's Hearts. It's up to Hearts whether they want the extra money or whether they want to have Celtic have a reduced capacity. As long as it's within the rules that are set down by the governing bodies, which it is, then that's Hearts' prerogative. If you're limited to the number of seats, it then doesn't mean that you can just go, oh, well... They've not sold all the tickets in the home end. We should then, therefore, get tickets in the home end and just carry on like we would in the away section. That's not how it works. 
Absolutely yeah. not. Well, exactly. And, and, and plus, I mean, cl- clubs are sort of damned if they do and damned if they don't. Because, I mean, if you're a club like Hearts, they're the only that sell a limited capa- uh, away att- capacity to Celtic Rangers fans. They get slammed by Celtic Rangers fans. But then you've got clubs that maybe sell two or three stands to Celtic Rangers fans and they get slammed the other way. So, mm. yeah. As, as, it did, as it did kind of help with the atmosphere as well. It wasn't so much like when they have the whole stand, especially when they're. They're winning. There, there really is a feeling that they kind of take over the place, but with only the two sections, it was a bit more limited, and it was. You could, the Hearts fan, I'm fully in favour. Could, of could it. you argue? Um, this is. Could you argue that that maybe helped Hearts be able to get back in it from what was a precarious position? But normally, if Quite the fans possible. are going fucking, and I, I've seen it. Obviously, I, I see it at Easter Road frequently enough. Um, if they go two 0 down and those fans go into absolute chorus mode which they do it's about Celtic Avengers they've got loads of songs they've got loads of people um, that must be more difficult to maybe claw your way back in yeah because there'll be there'll be more of a there'll be more of a noise coming in at times they could just seem like they can suck the ball into the, the back of the net at that usually when they're you know shooting at that end in the second half and the, the other Celtic did have a few chances before Hearts got back into it so it could have been a different story so yeah that's, that's a decent point as well mm-hmm. now obviously it seems like you know there's a lot in the news about, you know, uh, Brexit and international trade deals, etc. But I mean, I'm fascinated by this new international trade route between Japan and Scotland. And <laughs> Rio Hatate is obviously now the latest, latest light in that line. How were Tony? How were you impressed? And have you actually have you ever seen a sh- a, go- a shot hit the net faster than the goal he scored? Yeah, because Gordon I'm was, sure I have. was in was in mid still diving. Yeah, when when dive, it yeah. career back <laughs> out of net, so he could have got. I do. I'm. Sort of registering at the opinion that I think Gordon should have saved it. I think he might have been unsighted. But the beauty of. It goes between his hands. The beauty, beauty of a tatty with a little bit that I've saw when I watched him on Wise Scout. Um, and obviously listening to Craig Cairns with a Japanese football extra on one of our other podcasts. And then I watched him for 90 minutes against Hibs. It's all adding up to exactly what I thought. This guy can do everything. He doesn't look like he's got a weakness in his game. He, I've seen him where he's good at intercepting. Even he can put a foot in. He's not scared of that side of the game. And then he looks like he's going to be able to absolutely control matches and he's got he knows when to release the ball he knows when to dribble and now we get to see another part of his game which is long range shooting uh, with, with not just accuracy but with outrageous power and when I watched him in Scout, something me and Fowler mentioned on our top five signings podcast um, the thing I noticed the first thing I watched his goals just little cuts go and the first three goals was left foot right foot header uh, and that was the first three things that I saw so this guy is going to do everything and I think I'm already going on the fact that that's the main, the best that he's signed of the of the three, and he's going to be. They'll be finding room for him in the team, not even when the whole squad's fit and ready to go. Craig, how about you? Were yeah, you, he was. You impressed? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was excellent in the first half. I didn't think he could have fell away a bit in the second, as Celtic did in general. And I wonder whether Celtic had kind of ran out of puff. It's a common thing with Celtic this season that they don't put matches away. And it's a weird, it was a weird thing in this one because they did have the chances to do that. They probably should, they could have been more than 2-0 up at half time. And then they had about two or three decent chances before Hearts got back into it. But once Hearts got back into it, I think Celtic maybe only had like one decent chance the rest of the game. And they really seemed like they kind of lost their legs. And with this kind of real high intensity style, both in terms of the pressing, which completely smothered Hearts in the first half, and... Both, uh, uh, sorry, the high-intensity pressing off the ball, but also on the ball as well, where they really move it around 
rapidly. And that must take a bit out of them as well. It's not just kind of possession. It's not a kind of slow build-up position. It's quick mm. movement. And the players, the silly players just kind of looked out on their feet towards the end. And they're they're, di- they're, they're direct in their they're, own they're way. They're fortunate that Boyce misses that penalty because if Boyce doesn't miss that penalty, the Hearts get that extra lift and are certainly that a little bit more rattled and the Hearts actually go in and win this game from 2-0 down, which would have been wild. That's not something you see very There's... often. I think the last time Hearts would have done that to either half of the old firm would have been when John Barnes was Celtic <laughs> manager. It, sorry, just before we go far, I think it's interesting because something we mentioned a bit recently is sort of player welfare at Celtic it was certainly in the news uh, with with after the Aloha game which is a different discussion but Postacoglu's really the injuries are pointing to um, maybe rinsing them I think what's happened to Kyogo as he got no break coming from Japan and then he's been straight in the Celtic team and he was playing them in dead rubbers and I mean if anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I've been waxing lyrical about Ange Postacoglu and I've done a whole podcast dedicated to how he had every single facet of being a manager correctly so I'm not it's not like I normally criticise him but I think this is maybe where we're seeing not even a blind spot maybe opening season that his first season that he needs to fucking win and I think he's really pushing everyone to the absolute maximum and he's holding on for dear life at points because you said he could could have lost that. The cup final could have went very differently due to the fact that they don't have the full squad available. So he's getting he's getting away with it at the moment. But will that continue? We'll, we'll find out. But as they get more, the, the squad's starting to look deep as anything. Uh, I've forgotten his name. The new the new signing looked excellent in the centre of midfield. The young yeah. boy for MK O'Reilly. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to ask about him. Yeah, the, the depth of that. The squad now in in every area. There's only one problem now is with no McGregor Fowler. How much of a difference did did that make? Because he's the most unique player in the in the team. Really, there's no one to really replace him. Well, with Hatati starting as he did, I think that kind of makes up for mm-hmm. McGregor. He doesn't maybe doesn't carry the ball quite as well as McGregor does from A to B, but certainly in terms of passing and in deep kind of deeper playmaking, uh, I think it was good enough and. Yeah, it is uh, O'Reilly coming in. He uh, certainly looked better than... Um, I'm not sure he was man that match, to be fair, but he certainly was uh, a decent game and looked uh, better than James McCarthy, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> certainly getting an upgrade there. I just want to rant about... Um, so I kind of almost defended Hearts fans a wee bit earlier, but not not quite. Yeah, don't don't punch people in the face. <laughs> it's only football, even if they're in your section. It really doesn't give you the excuse. Uh, even if... Uh, I was going to say as well, I'm going to the Hibs game, Tory, next Saturday. Uh, I'm getting the Sam season ticket. So if, if St. Mirren scored a last-minute winner, I will not be jumping up and shouting, because if I do, I would expect a punch well, in the face. A punch off Chris, um, who'll be sitting right beside you. But, uh, <laughs> but let me uh, let me, uh, let me stick a and bit St. Mirren also score late goals that used to roll all the time, so there's a very high chance that'll happen. Josh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Let me uh, stick the boot into Hearts fans another way because I was on, like seeing on social media after the game uh, the amount of fans like saying oh, like why don't we do why don't we attack them in the first half why do same Nielsen negative why don't you just have a go at them from the off Hearts did try to have a go at Celtic from the off the problem was Celtic started to dominate to the extent so much the Hearts couldn't get out of their own box really like Liam Boyce wasn't holding it up an attack the midfield was getting completely swamped they were trying to. You know, they're trying to keep possession, but Celtic were just on them all the time, so they couldn't. So they just had to resort to lumping up the field because it was just a case of, let's get rid of it because it's near our box and we're under so much pressure. And yet, like, the second half is different because, I mean, yeah, fair enough, you could say the Hearts could have changed it, but when they started off at a 4-4-2, 
And that, I noticed as well, fancy in the three four three Disney work. It was like we're not even playing that, you fannies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so they started their four four two with Mackay off of Boyce, and because Boyce couldn't hold it up, it was like the ball just kept coming back, and that was why Hearts had to be penned in because there's no point, and you can't attack if you don't have the ball. Like that's just nonsense. And the second half was different because Ellis Sims came on. They went more direct because they had to go direct because Celtic were just suffocating the life out of them. Sims was much better at making the ball stick, even though he didn't win uh, that many headers. He disrupted Starfelt and Carter Vickers enough that the ball then stayed in the attack. Hearts could have built for there. Hearts were then able to impose their own press onto Celtic, and that's when things improved for them. But yeah, just there's a, there's also the other all the time. There's another side of it is well. I agree. I don't like doing this, and I got very angry. I, I'm using the cup final as an example because I thought Hibbs deliberately sat off Celtic in the first half, especially, and, and, I, and I got myself a bit pissed off at the game. But it's different. You're at the game, you've had a few drinks, you're just thinking, why is not everyone fucking tackling everyone? Uh, that's, that's sort of like your, your go to. But Celtic's biggest struggles this season Livingston. Their, their biggest struggles is even St Johnston away who'd be the worst team in the league and what did they do? They just sat in and made it really difficult for Celtic to break down so while I understand that and I am in agreement that you should go at them I could definitely understand why a manager would based on the mm-hmm. evidence of this season think about playing just a ridiculously low bot because it it's the only time apart from when since Celtic have got their act together and Postacoglu's got it right no one. That's the only way anyone's really picked up anything against Celtic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also another thing on this game, the oh, the, the the ugly spectre of VAR continues to raise its head. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I'm. I just feel like I'm dead set against it. I mean, you can be more Jackie anti. You're in the right crowd here, like. Jackie yes. Marcus might have been offside. Maybe Boyce might have been offside. They're so marginal. Honestly, who cares? I mean, do you really want to spend minutes and minutes debating these things at a game? Man- managers apparently do, but I certainly don't. Yeah, and the referee, the referees want it as well because it maybe alleviates some strain off them. But I mean, in Scotland, like, never mind all the problems of VAR that we could all talk about in in depth about how it's used in Scotland specifically. Won't make a difference, man. Like, 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 people will still moan. People will still accuse the people that are in the office doing the VAR of being. They'll be accused of being a mason. That'll all stay. So you're not going to remove any of that part of our game. Yeah. That's here to stay, unfortunately. And um, so, I mean, just I don't really see what we gain from it. And as I say, my favourite argument is. Um, referees aren't able to get to the top I don't give a fuck mate uh, I, I don't think any football fan here worries about how the referees careers can uh, move forward out with it I mean that sounds uh, unfair but it is the- <laughs> I don't give two sh- I don't give two shits if Nick Walsh gets the yeah, World Cup yeah, or not I mean, the- referees are a means to an yeah. end I don't look at them I don't think about their career prospects like young Scottish players or, or something like that that might be wrong <laughs> but that's just and I don't and I feel like 95% of people would fully agree with me yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely spot on. I mean, look, there, there, there maybe was a day ten years ago, you know, that oh, a Scottish re- Scottish ref at a Euros or a World Cup. That was the- oh, look, look, Scotland's at a World Cup. Scotland's at a Euros. <laughs> we had representation there, but now you know we've actually got a team that might actually get us there. So yeah, I'm totally in agreement with you, Tony. Can't be arsed. Brother, um, can I ask quickly, um, Jack and Mac? No, let's sorry, move on. Just, it was just <laughs> we're done eighteen minutes. Sorry, it was Jack and no. Mac. any good over like a no. period of time. <laughs> No, no, cool. Thank you. Fair enough. 
Let's <laughs> got 18 minutes of one game on this podcast last hour. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Tanadice then, where Dundee United beat Ross County two goals to one. Late comeback with Nicky Clark scoring two off the bench. Tony, where would Ross County be without the goals of Reagan Charles Cook this season? Oh well, thanks for coming to me about Regan Charles Cook because I, I make it make it my uh, make sure everyone knows that I was talking about Regan Charles Cook about eighteen <laughs> months ago, despite roundly being called he told he was shit by everyone. But um, top it's in the league, absolutely man. incredible that Regan Charles Cook's now the top scorer. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense, even though we've all been impressed with him this season. When it actually came up on sports scene or whatever, and he was at the top, it was. Utterly frightening, and but we've, we've we've spoke about it before. They they do have a lot of decent attacking talent with with Hungbo and Regan Charles Cook. It can be quite aggressive attacking talent because there's so much pace and strength. And something I'm really noticing about Cook this season is his movements really really good. And you see it at this goal. Um, when you get the angle for behind the goal, you see that he's quite central and Dundee United are all sucked to the ball and they're all worried about like White that's in there before the shot's taken and you see Charles Cook moves wide. So he moves away from the goal when a shot's going mm-hmm. to be taken. Normally you would think, well, stay close to the goal. I mean, you want to, in case the goalie spills it. But he basically just notices all that space over there. So he just tiptoes over there. It gets stopped. Then suddenly he's got all the time in the world to take a touch and shoot. So on top of sort of Regan Charles Cook's physicals, which is always something I think everyone's noticed, he's, he's quick. Um, but when he first came, uh, I think everyone can remember, I mean, Fowler, he was really, really raw. And that and that wasn't a criticism. He, he was. He was he was the Ivan Sproul style. That man's running the ball at the pitch. Remember to turn round. There's a line there. Um, <laughs> so that, that's what it's like. But to, to, to see the improvement, and maybe I have to say it, we don't want to. Malky Mackay maybe deserves a bit of credit because it's quite an unbelievable rise. Yeah, well, I would actually say that I thought Malky's tactic, tactical switch, because he started off, they were in the kind of 4-5-1 with Dominic Samuel on the right of midfield. And I was like, that's a bit weird, especially when Hungbo was on the bench to start. And then the, watching the game, it seemed to be the main strategy for that was so that they had kind of two players to get on the end of kickouts mm-hmm. from... Uh, Ashley Maynard Brewer uh, I mean I mean, like goal kicks kind of thing he would aim them to the left so there'd be Samuel and sometimes White would drop in as well and it didn't really nothing really happened at that County were quite poor in the first half United with a better side without creating too much but in the second half he changed things up he went 4-4-2 brought on Jack Baldwin for Harry Payton and moved put Baldwin in the middle of the park Baldwin had the shot for the that for the goal, uh, it was his shot that uh, Seagrass parried and then Regan Charles Cook followed it up and he was also booked within about five minutes for absolutely halving Peter Paul. <laughs> it was quite interesting. Then, then a couple of minutes later, uh, in fact, I think it was a build-up to the goal as well. He goes diving into an R challenge and ju- I think he just gets the ball before he gets Tony Watt. If he didn't, he would have been. I think he would have been off and that would have been a horrendous managerial <laughs> change. But as it was, they moved Samuel up front and then it meant when they went long, the ball was sticking a lot more and White and Samuel linked up probably more times in the first 10 minutes of the second half than they did the whole of the first half entirely. And the county were excellent until they got the goal. I would say, maybe if you had any criticism, you, I would say they maybe went a bit too deep, a bit too early. Because United, I mean, you think of United's terrible run, you go 1-0 up. Yeah, you can, it, it does, at the same time, it does kind of make sense to sit off and go, like, okay, you guys have been toiling to beat anybody. 
recently. So come and have a go at us and, and see if you can do it. That that does make perfect sense. But I, what in hindsight, I wonder whether they should have went for the juggler a bit more. But at the same time, they had a couple of opportunities at 1-0. They then had a couple more on the counter-attack <coughs> late in the game before United scored the winner. In fact, there was a period... You know, the period kind of five minutes leading up to United's winner, we'd have maybe said Ross County looked the team more likely to score. So I'm not going to be too harsh on them for that. I think they just didn't make the most of the chances they had in the second half to kind of put, either put the game to bed or to then score the winner. And But Mackay definitely deserves credit for his, his halftime switch because they were immediately in the second half, you would see you could see they were much improved than what they'd shown in the first 45. Yeah, you've also got the issue of them sitting off Fowler as Ross County can't really do that. Because they concede goals like constantly, uh, yeah. But and now they just because they brought say, in two new defenders, suddenly they think they can do that. Well, no, one of them's Drysdale, who's instantly cost you a game. Uh, to be fair to Drysdale, he's unlucky <laughs> with the penalty. And he's not. He actually played. He's quite not well. unlucky for the winning goal. He, no, he gets but, his um, feet planted, uh, and and it's like it's defending one on one, and and he's lost the game off the back of that. But I know you watched the full match, so I'm happy to hear your views on Drysdale in general. Because most people see well, from my point of view, because of the highlights. I think he played well overall. Getting out jumped by Nicky Clark isn't great. Uh, you have to jump, but he done a really, mm-hmm. he had a really nice job on on Tony Watt, who Tony Watt looks immediately like a, a player that will improve. Dundee United is, I think, nobody's surprised by. Um, just to the fact that he gives him some, he gives him a player who can take the ball and drive with it forward. Now, United have these players in like Ian Harks and Peter Pollock, but they often go missing for weeks <laughs> yeah. at a time, whereas Tony Watt's not going to do that. Tony Watt will do that every game. So do you think that's and why they've decided it, to use him, playing wide? I was certain he was going to be the main striker, but do you think that's where Tam Courts is, is coming from there? Because I was surprised. Quite possibly, but they also have a lack of options on the wide. So Nisk- there's Niskanen, who came on for Pollock and was better than Pollock. Uh, done more in these 30 minutes than Pollock did all game. Uh, he went on, so then they switched to what started on the left and then moved to the right after Niskanen came on. But if you think about the kind of quality players they have in attack, they, yeah, they do have Niskanen, who's a decent player, but the other guys they've got are Nicky Clark and, and Mark McNulty, and they don't really have a lot of quality options on the wing. They've got some young players, but none of them have really shown it consistently. So you maybe, for the meantime, have to play Tory Watt on the wing just because of the demands of the squad. Okay. You're not going to play Mark McNulty in the wing. He's shit whenever he plays in the wing. He should have just taken the no wing. Confidence. Could have just taken the wing out of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, got no confidence in front of goal at the moment. I actually didn't. He kind of disappeared the first ten minutes of the second half, but then United were really poor in general in that period, and that's when after, then he got taken off. But I think he had a not bad first half in terms of his overall game. But you can just see with that chance he had when he robbed. Uh, Yakoviti it was, and just basically like rolled the ball back to the goalkeeper. He just like it, from the. You know, the sharpshooter we saw at Hibs in that first spell, he's like, just seems like a completely different player. That's like about four years ago now as well, so it's, it's, <laughs> way, it's, it's, it's way past. Dundee United looked like they got a bit lucky to me, and I think it was nothing to do with performance. It was just they managed to squeak out a win, and it's going to be huge for them because, I mean, they were... What's that? They had one win since October or something like that. I'm sure that's what Stevie Thompson said on Sports Scene, which is... Like the one, one nah, that was one win since they beat Hibs three 0 basically, isn't it? Um, so th- yeah, they've been they've been fo- in free fall yeah. form, but uh, yeah, it's a big one. Yeah, although you hear that um, Giando Fuchs has just left to join Peterborough today. How big a miss do you think he'll be? I mean, I think his form hasn't been great recently, but he's still definitely a player with with talent, isn't he? Yes, they they do have. 
Depends. It <laughs> <laughs> will be a miss because they'll miss the player at the start of the season. And his form hasn't been great. He was, he was decent enough in this game. He wasn't terrible as he has been at points since he. you could tell that he really had his eye on a January move. Callum Butcher, you think, would step in there. He played in the back three back four in this game because Charlie Mulgrew was injured but once Mulgrew comes back you reckon Butcher will go into the midfield and, get suspended. and provide that bite and yeah definitely get suspended <laughs> well I feel I feel like that's probably probably enough on, on this game we'll, we'll move on to the game at Ibrox where Rangers beat Livingston 1-0 now there's kind of a couple of different ways you can look at this game obviously this was Rangers without without Aribo without Hadji who's season's over without Kent without Morelos you know was this a sign, Tony, was it that Rangers can get the job done without their, their best front four? Or did they get away with one and have they kind of exposed a real lack of depth in the squad? No, I think Rangers have shown this season in general that they're, they're more than capable of grinding grinding wins out even when it's going, going a bit against them. I think it was Robert on a podcast who commented that Rangers have forgotten they've forgotten how to lose. And I think that was a really mm. good way of talking about Rangers this season because they haven't often... Uh, overly impressed they've had their moments of course uh, but yeah I think it was impressive because a 10 to come straight to come straight for a loan and be put right in shows that Rangers were struggling um, in that position I mean Etienne's never really been a starter and I think you can see why when you watch I mean I don't I, I don't really hate a 10 like I know other people maybe don't rate him as much but he does always seem a yard off it with these movements so I think he's got he can hold the ball up pretty well and obviously he's good in the air, but I always think that it's like when you've got Tavernier and Barisic as, as the fullbacks, you need the, and he should be eating teams alive at ten with his sign, with what his attributes are, with those two crossing the balls in. It should work a treat, even if Rangers don't always want to use that avenue to to win. That it shouldn't really be a problem, and it does. But I often feel like he he misses the ball by a yard. He isn't quite in position at the right time, so I could see it was frustrating. Alex Lowry was was superb again. I mean, I'll, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure you're excited, Gordon. I know. I know you've been a big Scotland man with the <laughs> with the podcast and stuff. That's it looked really exciting because he looks actually something that we don't have and there's not a lot of that in that Scotland team he he, mm-hmm. he looks relatively unique for, for us coming through he was playing in the 10 role in the 4-2-3-1 that Van Bronckhorst plays but I think Lowry got drawn into the midfield quite a lot because he wanted to get on the ball he was he was absolutely everywhere but I think he maybe could have done tactically I'm not this is not a criticism of his performance because he was superb he's probably one of Rangers best players but maybe being a bit closer to Itten uh, in a central way because I think Itten got a bit isolated at, at times uh, which wouldn't help for a, for a player like that but I think when Morelos comes back man I'd be keen for Rangers to keep going with with Lowry in there. There certainly wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I think when a young player, see when they start well, ride it out because the bad time yeah. will come when he's going to need to get dropped. That that's going to happen. But ride it mm-hmm. out at this point. Rangers needed impetus in their team. They they they've, they 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 have been sort of just rolling on and, and getting by. And I think that a young player like that coming in could really transform the season and bring the sort of urgency that they need. But with Morelos up there, with his battling qualities, his mm. hold-up play, with Lowry getting close to him, he could have a he could have a great time over the next few weeks, which is exciting for all of us. I think I think especially you know just, just fans always want that that homegrown talent as well, and obviously mm. with Nathan Patterson leaving, I think it's it's good for Rangers fans to be able to point to this is the next guy off the production line, this is the next guy out of the academy. I think obviously you've got you've got to say he's come from a Scottish FA performance school 
um, which I think shows how it shows in how technically impressive he is. You know, he's only 18 years old, and the way that he can take the ball in, turn on it. He got like I think 62 touches in the game, which is pretty impressive for a, a young man, you know. And you're right, the the way that he was able to sort of dribble on the ball, beat players. There was the run that he made down the left channel where he beat a couple of men, drills a ball across the six yard box, and he had a couple of crosses like that. I think you're absolutely right, Tony, that when when Morelos is in the team and you've got a real predatory finisher in the middle, he can be linking up and getting goals from those. So I'm 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 excited about him for sure. You know, I think as a, certainly as a Scotland fan, I've already on the tartan scarf. I've already had people in my mentions demanding that he be in the squad in March. Um, despite having, <laughs> Great. Absolutely classic. Having started two games. Oh, of but, uh, Craig, it's just what, so, what, it's just he's quite unique like the, the fleet of food mm. like we've got we've got great central midfielders but I don't think we have any real number 10s or players mm. who are like like really really skillful maybe threaded through balls like Gilmore's a deep lion version of that a deep mm. lion playmaker McGinn's like a jack of all trades and a master of them all don't get me wrong but it, it, it's not subtlety's not jo- John McGinn's game and Callum McGregor again is, is, is just excellent at knitting it all together and, and Ball carrying from from deep, so we don't really have uh, we don't we don't really have that sort of really just small technical guy, and a, a, maybe gold is the one, but I don't think gold's not really mm. going to happen, is it? So maybe Lowry, <laughs> um, Lowry's can, can, hopefully this gets people to shop at right. Maybe, that, maybe that'll, that'll be the, the the real gift that Alex Lowry can give us. Yeah, what did, what what do you think, Craig? How did how did you think about Alex Lowry got on on his first? I'm just. I'm just going to echo what you said. I, I saw that clip. So I only saw the highlights of this, but I saw that uh, the, the the sports scene where he gets the ball on the must have been in the first half, mm-hmm. and he gets the ball on the left of the box, and he just does like a number of wee kind of flicks with it, like step overs and stuff. It just looks like a, and it's not just about the because you've got you got guys like Gilmore and like, and we've got like even though no, nobody's as good as, as Billy Gilmore, like Scotland throughout the last you know fifteen or so twenty years. Maybe not fifty, maybe not twenty, but fifteen years. So we create a lot of kind of nice kind of centre midfielder types, and you do wonder whether kind of the, the academy and this has been a criticism the academy approach has kind of taken away the, the the kind of gallusness of of Scottish players. But you're seeing it again with Nathan Patterson, I would say, and you're definitely seeing it with, with Alex Lowry, with already coming into the team and already willing to to show off his abilities and to take players on and to to just be kind of cheeky in position, and we need guys like that. So I got, as soon as I saw that, I actually got immediately excited. Oh. <laughs> it's only, it's only what, his second or third game or something, yeah. but immediately I was like, oh, Scotland player of the future. And yeah. um, <laughs> to see... No pressure, we <laughs> yeah. man. And, and Rangers, Rangers made a few subs to, to sort of get over the line here. Roof sort of making a bit of a comeback, and Roof's going to be sticking around. He's not called up. He's, he's taking out the Jamaica squad so he can concentrate on playing for Rangers now to get fit which will be good for Rangers because he can be an important player. And he's, he's had a good Rangers career, but it's been quite stop-start. And I think that's a smart decision from him because he's really barely featured since Van Bronckers yeah. took over. Some of it was injury, but when Van Bronckers first came in, he was on the bench oh. an awful lot as well. And I don't think he's had too many chances. So it's it's quite a smart decision because if he goes to Jamaica when he's when the option apparently, well, the option must be there for him to say, no, it's okay, I want to stay and, and fight for my oh. place, then that really wouldn't have reflected well on him with a new boss. It doesn't seem to rate him quite as highly as the previous one. And did. most importantly, Ryan Jack back on the bloody football pitch. How good is that, Gordon? 
Oh, yeah, thank goodness. So so good to see. I mean, he's just had such an absolute torturous time with injuries, which is is it's such a shame. You know, obviously he's a, such an important player for Rangers, but certainly for Scotland as well. You know, you look back at the the playoff final against Serbia, which now does feel like quite a long time ago, but it was only you know a year and a bit ago, and that that combination of him and McGregor looked like we'd finally cracked it in the centre midfield, and it's been unfortunate that he's been away for so long. Um, but yeah, great to see him back. Perfect um, timing. McGregor gets injured. Jack comes back. So Jack comes could, in, and, yeah. and he's got time. He's got <laughs> this game in March. He's got time to to get back on the pitch and, and do something. So it's exciting. I really got everything crossed. There isn't a breakdown mm-hmm. for, for Ryan oh, Jack because if it does happen again, I'll start to really worry that that's the end of the mm-hmm. road. And it was right when his career was really properly taken off. It'd be a real shame. Yeah, Jack, Gilmore McGregor. Put together a really nice partnership that you'd maybe be hesitant to break up if if McGregor's going to be fit again in, in time for these games, but McGregor is the one that sits, and that's not typically his game. That's more Jack's mm. game. So as good as Gilmore and McGregor are, could Jack and Gilmore be even better? Oh, bloody knows. In don't, terms of don't, don't, don't tell me another good really time. Yeah, I've not really spoken about Livingston, but there's no, everyone knows how Livingston have set up. Everyone knows how Livingston played because uh, they do it every time they play the, the old firm. Apart from when they, they had Rangers at, at uh, Almondville or the Tony Macaroni, sorry. Um, they sort of went for the juggler a bit, but they didn't manage that really. They probably could have had a penalty. I don't know. I thought it was his shoulder. I'm, I'm happy to be I don't people think so. disagree. There's, there's, there's two... There's two angles. There's an angle kind of for the side, but it looks definitely looks like it hits yeah, it up. So maybe, maybe I think I think it was a little too low to say it called a shoulder. But the angle that the referee has, the one kind of well, it's not quite his angle, but the angle that shows you from the opposition goal that looks like to me it hits his chest. Mm-hmm. So and again we go back to VAR. How many? That's quite a few camera angles to look at that. How many more cameras are we getting? Because Ibrox has quite a lot of cameras. Yeah, and I can't imagine there being more cameras once we get VAR. I can't imagine there being more cameras at like Ross County than mm. there are at Ibrox right now. So, is it how much is this really going to solve? Because I've seen a few angles of this incident, and I can't make up my mind. But nah, um, Fitzwater exactly. and Obelai, obviously, looking at a decent partnership again, and and they sort of repelled Rangers really well. And uh, while I quite like Fitzwater, him being linked to all the English Premiership teams was a shock when I went up the bit open, <laughs> uh, open BBC uh, uh, during the weekend. If Newcastle buy him, fucking great. I just like you can't buy taste. Let's let's say that. Speaking of uh, transfer window deals, though, one that did come completely out of nowhere was Ahmad Diallo signing on loan to Rangers from Manchester United. Now, this is a young man, you know, only nineteen years old, but you know, we we often get these, you know, quote unquote, big time players from big clubs coming up from England, but this this guy does feel like something very different. I mean, he was signed from about for about nineteen million from Atlanta. It was more. It was like thirty-seven million, man. Well, I think it was. I think it was nineteen up front. Yeah, I yeah. think the deal could eventually add up to about thirty-seven million. I mean, that's going to make him one of the highest-profile players to ever come up to Scotland. I mean, we were talking they about get, they Rangers. get the extra eighteen million if he signs on loan for Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're we're talking about Rangers squad depth, but that that's a pretty pretty exciting signing. It's exciting that they've taken a big name. Uh, I mean, the guy's only played about nine or ten matches in his career, uh, mm-hmm. and, and obviously he wasn't in the Ivory Coast squad. But the exciting thing is that they've taken a young player who's been like was good enough at Atlanta that Man United were interested. Atlanta have been well known to producing sort of attacking players in the in the style of play uh, in in Italy over the years. So it's exciting that a player like that's coming now when they're going to be hungry, um, and it'll be really and and there's a role there's a there's a role is for a, that area there, and a couple with Fashion Sakala who. 
in, in this game I was quite excited to see his dribbling's coming on and his aggression's coming on in terms of picking up the ball deep because we were all worried Fowler about him being playing on the shoulder and that not really being an option for Rangers but I think he, he, he's starting to pick up that for him to be involved and for him to make a real impact it's going to have to be his dribbling and, and his ball carrying and that looked good at, at parts in this game but uh, with him Diallo then uh, the, the options start getting ridiculous at Rangers Um so yeah, be be fun if he's if he if he can really tear it up because uh, there seems it's, un, it's unfortunate as much as I, it's, it's good to see these good players. But Rangers and Celtic look like they're getting loads of fucking good players again, and it's starting <laughs> to feel more like the like the nineties again, which is worrying from my perspective. Indeed. Well, let's let's leave that there. We'll go to we'll go to Paisley on Tuesday night, where St Mirren beat Aberdeen one 0 St Mirren winning back to back league games for the first time since October, first home win for four months. Every report, all the highlights, do not seem to have a lot to say about this game. One moment of inspiration for Connor Ronan for the goal. Craig, is there anything more to take away from this game? Yeah, not only that, but the sporting highlights were like cut to like. 45 About, seconds. Like 30 seconds? <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is, I thought was weird because I, I kind of checked. I was like, so did they have like a programme the night before just for this game? No. So I was like, that's a bit weird. Like, even though it was the night before, you still surely want to show all the highlights. It's like, can't imagine them doing that. Oh, I mean, it's, it's not the equivalent of like, say there was a, say there was a Sunday where there was five games played and there was one on the Saturday and they were showing oh. sports here on the Sunday night. Would they show, you know, would they, would they just show little of the, the, the game from the day before? I thought it was a bit weird. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so I don't. So Tory's maybe I know Tory saw the second half, so he's maybe more equipped than us. But it kind of goes to the Jekyll and Hyde nature of Aberdeen that they, you know, they play so well against Rangers. They then have the Scottish Cup game against Inver City, where they were two 0 up early, and then you know it was just kind of a training ground exercise after that. And then this game, I think, for what I can tell, they were they were decent enough and maybe shading a, a poor game till the goal, and then the goal goes in, and then they just look completely hopeless, and they really. I mean, it's kind of like a be careful what you wish for under the McInnes, isn't it? Because McInnes, while the football was dire, consistency was something you were always going to get with Derek McInnes. And they were all going to turn up. I know, actually, the record, I think, even with McInnes at St Mirren wasn't particularly good. But usually they turn up against the kind of smaller teams, get the job done. Not always pretty, but you get three points and they're, you know, invariably in the top four. Now they're still, they're still sixth in the table. Um, can't yep. remember. Um, but yeah, St Mirren have went two points behind them or something like that. Yeah. But they're just—they seem incapable of putting a run of like three or four. Ever since August, they've, they've been incapable of putting a run of like three or four decent performances together. And this is just the latest example what, of that. What would worry me as an Aberdeen fan is see when they're at their best. It's not playing the style of play that Stephen Glass was talking about that he was going to implement. Not the style of play that they maybe started the season Fowler when, when we watched them a bit. So Rangers, for example, which has been one of their better performances in recent months, it was a very up and at them performance it was an aggressive performance um, it was a very Scottish football performance and that's not a criticism that's what I like but it certainly wasn't in the style that um, he's been pre- he preached before he got here and then and if you're not getting consistency maybe there's an argument that he's deviating from that and maybe there's no room for that I'm going to come on to, to, to Hibbs which is another manager who's came in sort of like put these colours to the mass in terms of, of a style that he wants to implement and all that so if you're going to do that, you can't really deviate away from it too much if you're going to try and do a very different style that players might never have played before. But obviously he needs to get results. So I'd say they're, they look like they're getting a bit stuck in limbo, Aberdeen. And it, in terms of mentality, it was so weak to see. Because I came in and watched the second half and I was like watching it 
And I was like, God, I think Aberdeen are going to blow them away. They started really, they were getting a lot of crosses in. They were creating, not clear-cut chances, but it was all last-ditch defending for St Mirren, which, which they done well, which they do well, uh, quite quite a lot. But then when that goal went in, and that was the first time, I mean, that was after an hour, that was the first time it felt like St Mirren had even moved up the pitch in the second half. And I think the goal, you can kind of witness that Aberdeen are desperate to get the ball back. So they, they all go rushing towards the ball. Everyone's over on that side of the box. Because um, they, they like, basically they've had the ball so much, so it's like, we're going to go and get that ball back right now. And then he just plays a cutback and it's empty, the other side of the pitch. And Ronan's just the closest to that. So he just runs over, picks it up and then implements a, an outrageous moment of quality. But it's not like it's a one-off. Ronan's shown that, that this is something he is capable of. That, that may be the, the third time this season he, he's done something sort of like impressive in terms of his shooting. Um, and then Aberdeen had fuck all, and then they brought Jet on, and Jet was embarrassingly bad, uh, and, they, <laughs> and, and, and Jet sorry embodies Aberdeen because he he came, he was looking really fit, he got himself really fit at Livingston, he was doing well. They're putting him in unique positions. Came to Aberdeen, they had him in quite a unique number ten. We didn't think of that, and then he's not been playing. He strikes me as someone that if you want him to be good and to stay in shape, he's going to have to be playing football. You can't leave him like on ice. For, for, for five, six weeks on end and expect him to come back and be able to get with the pace because he's just not got that in him. He has to play. Jet's great fun because he's either, he's either brilliant or he's absolutely uh, rubbish. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> it's, always, it's always fun watching nah, him. Yeah, he's always up to something. And like this one, he just kept on giving the ball away and he couldn't really be arsed and he was, it almost felt like he was playing in a... In, in, a, in a proper midfield role, like because he was coming really, really deep to pick up the ball. But yeah, I mean, Shognessy, superb again for for St Mirren. Alan Power, really impressed with him because I'd, so, a lot of people had written him off, including me. I mean, if you listen to the previews, we had huge doubts about um, Power when he, when he signed at the start of the season. Um, but Erehorn struggled this season and now Power, that, that was great. And Kilty looked quite quite good, um, so it was positive uh, for for St Mirren, and they're starting to look like they might actually be able to put together the season that we all maybe expected them to be able to do, which was challenge for top six and maybe put across a, another another cup run. Because you think they lo- lo- left it too late, but with Aberdeen's performances and sort of Motherwell losing their best player and we'll see how they morph over time there could be room for another team to, to come through and, and, and take a spot in the top six mm-hmm. Now looking transfer window wise again news today that uh, Bologna uh, have made a bid for Calvin Ramsey by all accounts it's an 830 grand loan fee with an obligation to buy for about 3.3 million at the end of the season now that would rival their record sale which was Scott McKenna which was roughly between 3 and 5 million depending on add-ons but a lot of Aberdeen fans seem to be looking at the fee that Rangers received for Nathan Patterson as some kind of bellwether that's not how <laughs> everyone surely you know that as adults but but do you know I think I mean I feel like Scottish football clubs should be driving yes. a hard bargain as much as they can for yes, talent aye. and Calvin Ramsey is Four million for Calvin, Calvin Ramsey though seems very, aye, it seems very it's like, if, if, you're a, if he's not at a club like Celtic or Rangers and that's just the way it use, works I'll use Josh Doig I'll use Josh Doig example Hibs could have got th- over 3 million for him last year they'd never played in front of anyone that sounded fair to me he'd never played in front of a mm. crowd 
Doig still might come good, but he's had his ups and downs this season. Uh, Nobody's coming with three million this summer. Put it that way. Uh, I, 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 I love Calvin Ramsey. I think he's, I think he's, a, he's a really good player, but he's also had a downturn in form recently, and he's not been as good since he came back from from his injury. But I do really rate him. And Bologna obviously have the, they've, they've, they've come up trumps really with. It would just be Scottish football Twitter wet dream. If you've yeah. got Hickey on one side and Calvin Ramsey on the other. In the Serie A. Oh, lovely. So, Bloody uh, don't get me wrong. I really rate Calvin Ramsey. I think if he does move, it'll be good. But I think four, five million is fair. <laughs> and if they start pushing for more, they won't get it. And uh, and I think, and that still shows Scottish clubs have been doing exactly what you say, pushing the value of their players. Because there wouldn't have been a player that's come in and played six months before that would normally be get we'd be we'd got offers coming in of four million pounds and maybe more. I'm assuming there's add-ons on that as well. Mm. So um, it's up to Aberdeen. I wouldn't want to lose them right now, and I'd like to think he's good enough that they don't have to sell. So maybe wait till the summer and maybe have a little bit more, especially when the yeah, front fees nothing to really get you excited for right now it's an interesting one and a difficult one for uh, Dave Cormack because yeah they probably don't have to sell with his kind of with his deep pockets and stuff like there's it'd be looking like a lack of ambition if he sold Ramsey I think it's a pretty like I alluded to I think it's a quite a fair offer for somebody who's only played you know six months or whatever and yes Nathan Patterson went for 14 odd million kind of thing but remember the first bid for him was five and if Rangers were a club the size of you know Aberdeen Hibs or Hearts then they would have initially immediately went yes five million fine take them <laughs> like that's because it's a lot of money to that club and that's the way the market works doesn't necessarily mean that when I say it's a fair deal I'm not saying that Calvin Ramsey's you know a third of the player Nathan Patterson is that's it's just the way that the transfer market works it's supply and demand and it depends on how much you can afford as a club Cormac also have the back in his mind that Aberdeen turned down bigger money for Scott McKenna and eventually sold it for two point five million but. If I was them, I would try very hard to hold on to him for the rest of the season because Aberdeen fans are already unhappy with the way that this campaign's oh. panned out. Calvin Ramsey has been one of the few positives in this campaign and something for supporters to be happy about. If you then sell him in January and if the rest of the season goes as we'd expect it to go for Aberdeen, then you really you might be you know turning a lot of people off from you know signing up for season next season, mm. especially if you're wanting to persist with Glass as manager. So. It's a difficult balancing act for Cormac this. I would, as as good an offer as it is, I would edge towards them rejecting it. Mm. Well, especially, again, when if if an offer like that comes in first day of January, again, that's a totally different conversation. The fact that it's, you know, it's the 28th of January today and there's so few days left in the window that if you were to lose a player like that so late, you just can't replace him. So you're sticking with what you've got till the summer. And then speaking of the player, it will matter how much he desperately wants to go. If he makes it very well known to Aberdeen, uh, hang on, like, I want to leave for that. Please sell mm. me. You know, otherwise, like, <laughs> I'm not going to be happy. Then sometimes we often don't take it into account when it comes to if the player goes to management and says, that, like, I want to go there, it, it can often force the hand. Bologna so looks class. Be interested to see how it turns <laughs> out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've got, yep. I've got to be pals, Aaron. I've got, I've got, I've got someone got who's going to help DM me sell in. Yeah, I've got someone who's going to help me settle in. Bologna looks like a beautiful city. It's got students there, young people, young culture. Looks good. I want to go. Yeah, absolutely. Bellissimo. Now, from something that does sound great and something we want to go to, to somewhere we don't, it's the basement battle at the bottom of the Premiership. St. Johnson against Dundee, a nil-nil draw. It was a game in the build-up that we all said neither team could afford to lose. Is a draw okay, Tony? (laughs) 
the pro- the problem for especially St Johnston is it's starting to look more and more like they're guaranteed to like be one of the two, and that's they they mm-hmm. probably needed. Oh well, they do, they didn't want to lose, and that's great. I still think that a win really could have done them because then they can get more in touch with the with actually coming out of the relegation zone rather than just be concentrating on not finishing bottom. Not um, the playoffs, yeah. Because uh, like it's hap- like the playoffs. Yes, they're weighted towards Premiership teams, but I mean the, the St Johnston team. They're not. They're struggling with the pressure at the moment. So if you put them in a a playoff battle, I'm not sure how great that would how great they would come out. Um. So yeah, the managers will be pleased because it probably buys them both time. Uh, and they, I think, if one of them lost, you'd be like the trigger might be getting pulled on one of them because whether people think that's desperation or uh, reactionary, I just think it would it, it would have it would have happened whether people liked it or not. But it looked a pretty dreary. Football match and they were yeah. both teams did win and St Johnston losing shifty Alex really sad because as I, as I've said on previous pods and, and the review ones he's like a maverick up front is exactly what they need and they can afford to carry a maverick in that team because it's so it's built to to defend it's built to be structured so bringing in a maverick striker they were one of the clubs that could probably afford to do that and now it's a it looked like a hamstring he's not played a lot of football I'm guessing that's eight weeks. Six to yeah. eight weeks, so he's not involved. They need to go back into the market again. That's just, just as simple as that. Uh, I was interested. We brought Hendry back, and I thought I could see where they were thinking of Hendry's big. He's strong. I mean, it's never it never seems to be actually happening for Hendry. It's, we're all talking about a small period where he looked good, but he does have the attributes uh, to to do it. And I thought that maybe that could have worked. Um, so with him sort of occupying defenders with his size and his aggression and then his aerial threat and that would give Chifty the more space. But yeah, I think they're gonna they're they're going to have to go back into the go back into the um the transfer market. Mm. Did you watch the game, Fowler? Yes, I'm lucky. Callum Hendry played Callum Hendry played well. Uh, I thought he he was he was looking quite sharp. I mean, he maybe could have rolled it back to Murray Davidson for for that chance in the in the second half. But other than that, it's hard to really criticise anything about his performance. He was he was one cause and bother. Yeah, the game <coughs> maybe maybe guess wasn't very good. I thought St Johnson were the better side to me. I was kind of looking at the stats there. There's not surprisingly not a lot in it. St Johnson only had slightly better possession at fifty two percent. Dundee actually had more shots on goal, which I was a little bit surprised by. But Dundee got a bit of joy from, in fact, their only real joy of the game was set pieces or throw-ins into the St. Johnson box that St. Johnson didn't deal with, with the exception of that chance right at the end where Charlie Adam fizzed it across the face of goal and St. Johnson were able to clear it off the line. But that just came from Saints struggling to deal with a couple of routine balls in behind the the right side of the defence. So it wasn't like Dundee were terrible at trying to, you know, build play through the midfield, whereas Johnson were actually doing that to the extent with Cameron McPherson who had a decent game against Hearts, again having a, a, a no bad game in this one as well. But I just kinda of looked at the St Johnson team before kickoff and I was like, if Shifty or, or Hendry aren't scoring this, who the or you know, if Chris Kane coming off the bench isn't scoring either, who the hell was actually scoring for this team? And as the game played out, Murray Davidson was the one that was kind of supporting most from the, from the set of the park. He's going to turn 34 in March, and he's only scored six times in the last four and a half seasons combined. Mm. So they're just not... We've seen it this season, like, 11 goals in 22 games. 
and it's a terrible record. Maybe it shouldn't be much of a surprise without somebody like David Wotherspoon to chip in five or six, without even Sean Rooney in, in this side to, to, you know, possibly get, you know, a goal as well. James Brown was playing at the right wing God. back position. Why? Why? God, so vanilla. Blandest football that's ever, ever lived. Yeah. I can understand them on the right side of a back three a, a bit. But at the right wing back position, no. Um, I can understand the only the player playing, playing on the right hand side of your team is James Brown. <laughs> no fucking chance, man. Dundee uh, were terrible as well, though. So, like, like I say, they got very little going in terms. Of their only game plan, the Cernal game plan, to be hit hope towards Lee Griffiths, which wasn't working at all, as you can probably understand. I mean, want to push him towards the door, exit door. Now he played more now than he ever did before. After all the chat about getting rid of him, so it's, it's just something I've always thought about. McPake always looks quite confused, and he just like it's, mm. and Dundee. Actually, that's Dundee in general. Uh, they are the proverbial darts in hand, lob them at the board, and and see and see what happens because they just sign tons of players. They don't care how old they are. It never really seems to add up to any sort of vision of how they're going to play and or what they actually need. So um, yeah. <laughs> I think I think Jay picks on borrowed time because I don't think he's ever been the most popular manager at Dundee. There's shades of that Jack the Jack Ross side to that. Like he's never actually really over enamoured, but he got a huge success uh, towards the end of last season with them getting promoted through the playoffs. So I could see I could see them binning McPake because if it keeps going like this, the fans will start voting with their feet. Would be my guess. And they still they have a, they have a terrible defence. Yeah, terrible. But- and they're still not, still not addressed that when Christy Elliott started this game. <laughs> he just wants to buy attacking <laughs> midfielders full of fun boys. <laughs> but he buys the attacking midfielders and he still starts with Paul McGowan as the number yeah, 10. Because yeah, yeah. he signed that new one. What was his name? Uh, the guy that you were talking about, Fowler, on the review show. Oh, yeah. Uh, the boy from Inter Miami. Yeah. Get him in if you're going to yeah. bring him. Bloody hell. He was, I don't know if he's injured because he was in, in the squad. All oh, oh, right. They, he's turned up and they realise he's absolutely shite, doesn't it? That's what's happened. But now Mal McGinn came off the bench. Why don't you start Mal McGinn? Start him as the number 10 instead of bloody Paul McGowan. Mm. Anyway. Start him as a fucking forward instead of Lee yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's go to the, the final game final game of the week. Uh, Tony, your team, Hibs, picked up a 0-0 draw against Motherwell. It was kind of a battle of who had the biggest gaping hole left in their team by much-loved players that had left. Who do you think will be missed most? Uh, Tony Watt or Martin Boyle out of these two teams? Um, I think ultimately it'll be Boyle just because he's he was such a talismanic figure. And Tony Watt, in terms of... He, he's, he's been a very good player for a few years, but in terms of hitting the heights uh, and the sort of the goal-scoring form, that was now, and, and I think that Motherwell already had a striker in Van Veen ready to sort of pick up the role, so I think they were already stocked to to do that. They did miss him though. Uh, the corner, I, I was surprised when I saw the the teams. Obviously, Paul Hanlon had picked up an injury, so was missing for Hibbs along with with Ryan Porteous with his suspension, and um, like obviously they had. Jonathan uh, and Jake Carroll at centre half, so there was no Beavis Mugabe for for Motherwell. So I thought that was rather worrying. I was obviously a positive from from my point of view uh, f- from Motherwell, but it was I don't understand. Motherwell didn't play Woolery, and I know he probably played. I don't. I, I didn't check how much of the extra time he played against Morton, but with the way that Hibs have clearly shown they're going to be play, I think Maloney's. Absolutely going to keep the style, the shape, 
because it seems regardless of who's injured, he's still putting players into the into that formation. I'm fine with this. It's, it's, this isn't a criticism, and he's very vocal on how he wants to play, and it's going to be passing. There's going to be a lot of switching of play. The wing backs are going to be really. Um, huge in how we play and, and the defenders are going to have to take the ball out and there'll be a lot of interchange and blah 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 so I was I thought Woolery would, would be a good good player to play in this to, to, to press Hibbs with his pace he's an awkward player Woolery he, he, he's, he's relatively raw again but he, he, he's a handful and I thought against Hibbs right now when they're in this transition chaos type players are probably really good to, to, to play against a, a back three and a team in transition but he went with Shields who didn't really get a kick and he never played and he also never played Slattery in the centre of the park which I, I like Slattery I think he's good I don't know if there was any injury but he never bothered playing Slattery and he's been all action this season and in that weather especially maybe he was worried about bookings and sending offs even though we'll come to them anyway um, and Slattery I thought would have really really enjoyed the enjoyed the battle but Motherwell had a lot of the ball in the first half they were pressing Hibs well and Hibs were really struggling to get out and it was, I said, it was insistent. Hibs, it didn't matter what happened, it didn't matter how much pressure they under, they would keep on passing and try to find a route out of the team, out of, out of, out of trouble and to break the lines and to go forward. But then I thought it was weird, Alexander. I, I don't know if it was because Hibs started sort of playing better in terms of technically uh, with the ball at their feet. But they they totally sat off Hibs. I don't know if they just decided that, oh, let Hibs have the ball, they're not going to hurt us. And, and that was the truth. But... I think there was a the game was there to be had if Motherwell and they were the they were the they were the home team but Hibs they they had two hundred more passes than Motherwell but they had less passes in the final third uh, and I think that says a lot about what needs next needs to happen for for Sean Maloney because he's got a, he's still got a lot of work to do uh, in that part of the pitch in terms of the best performers Rocky Boucheri for Hibs who a lot of fans were maybe a bit worried about due to the lack of football he's played. He was superb. He had a great little battle with Van Veen. Van Veen's good fun. Uh, and like as I said, I said on a podcast before. Van Veen, he's never not involved. He can be playing shit, but he'll be fighting. He'll be shit and He'll be up to something. He did miss a sitter though. But him and Rocky had a had a good battle. They're pushing him into the advertising boards. Rocky was giving him a kick. They were more about play acting. So that was like an ongoing battle for the for the whole game Liam Donnelly Fowler I'll get your your views on this since you're kind of neutral or Gordon how did you I thought those were two bookings and it was a red card I thought it was pretty cut and dry for me yeah I didn't see any problem with the decision like, but got, Alexander's just an angry man yeah he, 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 he certainly is I mean there's there's absolutely <laughs> no no doubt in that but yeah I just had a, a few questions yeah. about that Motherwell team I think he made changes that he didn't have to make and with Hibbs, um, yeah, I mean, Dodge came on, he missed probably Hibbs' best chance. I'm um, hoping to see a bit more of Dodge. The amount of crosses he put in the box, even the style of play, probably in his head, Maloney will suit uh, a player who's maybe better with the ball on his feet and more technical than Dodge. But with the amount of crosses Hibbs are putting in the box, with, with Dodge and Cadden getting seen the ball so much, and um, they that Dodge would scream to me if he would love that uh, mm. and get and, and would maybe break that neck more that you need to get to sort of Chris Cadden's fizzed balls because you know he never crosses with his side foot Cadden it's always always fizzed uh, and Cadden's mm. Cadden's been really good for him but like, anyone that watches him I, I was talking about lack of subtlety in a footballer I mean Cadden it does the same thing every time and he can be very effective but <laughs> if you're a striker you need to know I need to get close to the goalkeeper it's going in the six yard box it's where the ball's going to yeah. go 
Craig, how do you feel about Hibs? I saw on social media there was maybe a few grumblings among the away support uh, after the game. Do you feel like uh, just just a case of Maloney just needs time, just need a bit of patience to let him implement his ideas? I was quite scared about Hibs coming into the new year, and I no longer am. So thank you, Sean Maloney, for that. <laughs> I think uh, it's a bit of it's, it's definitely it's obviously a transition period, and they're going to need a bit of time. I think the 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 danger at the moment is whether kind of Maloney's side. So I didn't see this game, so I can't really comment on it too much. But the Celtic game and the Cove game, there was a lot of kind of possession for possession's mm-hmm. sake and not moving it quickly enough. And that's something that they're going to have to maybe, you know, kind of eke out the game a little bit and, and be raise the tempo a little bit. Yeah, fair enough. You want to keep the ball. You want to dominate possession. You want to pin the opponent back for long periods and, and control the game. Fair enough. But you kind of have to have that cutting edge and you have to take... You just sometimes have to take more chances in the final third of what you do, and like Tony says, get like getting somebody like Dodge on makes sense because then you can he he's that good. You can still play that style of play because Dodge is a very good kind of link up man. So you don't necessarily have to sacrifice that type of football to have Dodge in the team. He can be effective at that, but also he gives you ability when you know you get into the final third and if there's no avenues and you and instead of turning back and starting over again, if he's like one on one with a defender. You know, just fling it up to him because he's good enough in the air that he can win those battles. And also the fact as well is that Kevin Nisbet never looks any good (laughs) when when he's not playing beside Christian Dodge. So Maloney's got to figure out a couple of things. The danger as well is obviously the the sale of Martin Boyle and that Hibs have sold their best player as well. I don't think Hibs banked on that either. I don't think Hibs banked on that. Hibs didn't bank on a Saudi Arabian team coming out and offering £3 million. No one would have. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a danger as well, is that you're transitioning without your most useful tool and somebody who would have worked pretty well in in Maloney's system in, in terms of his ability just to, again, similar to what I'm saying, instead of just you know playing a lot of safe passes, boil somebody you can just give the ball to and he'll just he, run he it can also and eat, frighten the life of He can eat you out while you're transitioning. He can still win you points yeah. when you're not playing mm-hmm. so well. So I think yeah. that's another one. Porteous is a must in the system that he wants to play because he's a defender who can break through the lines and, 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 he, and he likes passing forward and he's got a variation in his passing. And I think Kyle McGuinness will be absolutely huge when he comes back and, and keeping him fit could be massive for Maloney because he's a key in terms of he's the only real, truly box-to-box midfielder. And if you play a 3-4-3, I really do think you need one of them to be able to to sort of break the lines and support. But he signed a whole new... It sounds like more players are coming. <laughs> Dimitri Mitchell got on the pitch, looked all right in his style. Sounds like we're signing another wide player. Sounds like they're still not finished. So who knows, man, because I could end up with there's eight new players or something. Absolutely. At least, even if he plays only half of them, that's a third or a half of a new team. So, um, but... Fans are going to have to get used to it. There'll be more performances like that. I think what happened is Hibs are going to click some weeks and they'll give teams maybe a quite a doing and people will get very excited and carried away. And then the next week they'll they'll play like that against Motherwell when it doesn't quite work and everyone will be saying Hibs are the fucking shittest team they've ever seen. No shots on target. You know what I mean? I think it will be that. I think it will be that varied in terms of the pendulum will swing that much. Uh, I'm going to try my best to hold the phone on Maloney till next season uh, mm-hmm. with... Um, with what he's going to try and implement because I think it's good that the club's trying to, that we've got someone who's going to try and do that something different because the many go around the managers mm. can get fucking boring and there's a ceiling on it and at least this is a risk that you try to do it that maybe you can break into a new part of being a club and maybe move to another another level if you like so that's my piece 
Super. Well, it's not like not like Scottish football fans to be too reactionary on things, so I'm sure you'll be absolutely <laughs> fine there. I'm sure I'll change well, my fucking mind in a few weeks. When it, uh, Tuesday, we get pumped off. Good, good luck and good luck in saving your theory to uh, saving your opinion to the end of the season if you get beat on Tuesday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Immediately, yeah, 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 that'll be exactly what it is. Screaming at the top of lungs in the Harping Castle afterwards. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look, that wraps up the games that we were, we're looking at. Um, obviously, thank you, as always, for listening to the, the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Tony, for joining me and talking us through those games. And I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll speak soon. Great. Thanks very much. Thank you. Perfect. Speak to you soon. Podcast Network.